0: and we are live what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of up in flames y'all be hearing me talk a lot of basketball lately we're going to close out our final thoughts on the nfl 2021 2022 season now that it has come to a close we're going to get into some offseason moves we want to see nice little free agent class not strong probably not a lot of swings and misses not a lot of huge huge contracts but there are some big deals that could be free agents some quarterbacks that could play elsewhere and we're gonna get into all that with none other than my god Walker Bailey. But before we bring Walker Bailey in, we'll be right back right after this. Warning: warning, warning, warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames.
1: We up in flames. Yeah. We up
0: in flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 We up in flames. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on. Uh. Check this go. We up in flames. Yeah. We up in uh, Yeah. Yeah, we up in flames. Yeah. Woo! We up in. Uh, yeah. We up in flames. We up in flames. And we are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Up in Flames, brought to you by Off the Ball Network. As always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy, host of Up in Flames, VP of Off the Ball Network. And I got my guy, Walker Bailey, in. we're going to talk some football. This really was his idea. We jump on the show. You know, we kind of wanted to cover the 2021-2022 NFL season, wrapped up, give you our thoughts. But then obviously, like, it is the off season now. We're starting to hear rumors. Guys are putting preferred destinations. I know we'll talk about that where free agents could go, the cost of certain free agents, some injuries play a place on whether some free agents stay pat, the price went up or down. So we're going to get into all that. We're going to close out. We'll put our GM cap on for my Dallas Cowboys and his Tennessee Titans. Kind of tell you what we think from what we're hearing and, and from what we know and we want to see as fans uh, and also guys who really cover football, we'll put our GM cap on this and, and make some moves to see if it makes sense to y'all. So, Without further ado, I got my guy Walker Bailey in the building. Walker was good, bro.
1: Not much, man. Just kind of hanging out, trying to trying to keep myself busy, get, continue to talk football. I got to stay away from the NBA as long as I can. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was We're kind of now a uh, couple days have passed since the Super Bowl. And just kind of now we can kind of put the offseason hats on and kind of start looking at some of the stuff that's going to go on and you know the NFL does a great job and almost the calendar never stops and so I've already kind of started thinking about this offseason and I think this week is probably the best time and as good of a time as any to talk about it because I mean we're kind of way out in front and can kind of really get an early look at things.
0: Yeah 100% so like you said the Super Bowl just happened so the first couple segments we'll kind of get through quick just kind of recapping the, the NFL season as a whole. So we'll start with the Super Bowl. Just uh, what was some of your thoughts watching the Super Bowl? The Rams won, like any stories, narratives that you're rocking with because the Rams were the winners of the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really cool uh, that Matt Stafford won his first. And, you know, now that's opened the big debate as to whether or not Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. And I'm not going gonna to take a side on that because I don't really care. Um, but, <clears throat> I mean, I just, for me, I came out of the game thinking that it kind of it kind of sucked that it felt like an instant classic but at the end all we were talking about was officiating because it felt like that became such a storyline in that game and that's just not ever something that you want to come away with from a super bowl uh but that aside i felt like the quality of the game and just you know the intensity of the game was remarkable it was almost had it had a better feel than it
0: has in a long time yeah i mean something you brought up was like the you know the referee aspect but I think those final calls at the end of the game really came down to the fact that they made what could have been a game-changing – at that point in time, it was a game-changing missed call with T. Higgins' touchdown, right? They come straight out and and strike in the second half uh, immediately with a a 75-yard touchdown by T. Higgins where they completely missed the offensive pass interference. And it wasn't like he just pushed him off when we let him play. Like, he grabbed his face mask and tossed him out of the way, essentially. But as anybody who really knows football knows that, like, okay, they missed that call. They're going to catch that. They're going to catch it on the back end, whether it would have been the next drive, whether it have been late in the game. Like, you know, there was going to be a makeup call, but then even still when Cooper cup got held, like way they were not calling the game or you want to say not calling the game, it, it yeah. wouldn't have been a penalty, but at the same time, like you don't determine when it is a penalty essentially, and we've been letting the game play, you don't leave it up. You, you make those calls in, in my, in my eyes. Like I know people are complaining about the refs and, whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to make that call, right? Because if you lose because of a non-call, especially when you didn't get the call earlier on an offensive pass interference, like, I think that brings up for a more heated debate than like, okay, we made the right calls, whether they were tic-tac or we have been letting these guys play all game long because we, we, we didn't call one that could have really changed the outcome, right? Like the Bengals could have won the Super Bowl because of that touchdown late in the game. If they didn't put their referee hats on and and, and make up for that missed call. So, you know, when it comes to the Super Bowl, though, it you know, people are always going to complain about the refs, especially when, you know, you're on the losing end of it, essentially. But it's it's a human aspect of the game. And, yeah. you know, the refering has been pretty bad this year. I will say I think everybody thinks while watching the NFL, like, refereeing, officiating was horrible. Across football period, college football, officiating was pretty bad, too, especially because they have so many rules that are up in the air, like, it's judgment calls or or judgment decisions right like what's a catch and what's not a catch we're still fighting at what's clearly a catch and what's not a catch what's clearly a football move to make it like it was a catch and a fumble or it was just an incomplete pass we go into college football and we talk about like what really targeting like okay you hit a guy in the head because he fell down but you didn't lead with the crown of your helmet or even you know uh unnecessary roughness because a guy gets hit too hard. Like you put a shoulder into a guy's chest coming down the middle and now that's a penalty, unnecessary roughness, even though it's a clean hit, no crown of the helmet. So there are some calls where it's so up in the air that the it's a decision by the ref and it's not a consistent decision one way or the other. But at the end of the day, the refs do play an aspect in all games, um, Miss calls. But the, the one call I want to talk about before we move on and just kind of get off the Super Bowl is that false start, right? Because people were pointing out the false start were, what, three offensive linemen early. And that's something I noticed, that false start doesn't get called probably as often as it could because I also think it's like the offensive holding penalty. Like, you pick and choose when you call it because essentially there's probably a false start, a offsides, or a holding holding penalty yeah. in the trenches every play, right? But you got to pick and choose what you really want to be tick tack on. But I've seen a lot of that type of false start from offensive lines throughout the season. From the false start perspective, what did you think about that? Because it was clear as day, even when you slowed it down, like you clearly seen all three of them take one to two steps back prior to the ball being snapped. Does it make a difference in a win or loss? No, not necessarily. But that's something I think they need to fix because I saw a lot of those false start type penalties this season.
1: Well, I mean, but, and I'm going to like switch a little bit. Like, I mean, we talked about this kind of in our group chat a lot. Like, we were watching, I guess it was the Niners, and it was either the Niners and the – I guess it was Niners-Packers, either that or Niners-Cowboys, where, you know, Trent Williams was doing the thing with his left foot, where he was drawing defenders offside with the false start thing. And so, it's just kind of like it's so ticky-tack, and, you know, offensive linemen got away so much in that regard in terms of false start. And, you know, the one in the Bengals-Rams game on that – I mean, it turns third and third and goal at the eight into third and goal at the thirteen and you're looking at a situation there where, and even with the holding there, it should have been an offsetting penalty. So like, I mean, you're still looking at a replay of a third and eight or a yeah. third and goal of eight. So like, I mean, it's just one of those where, I mean, you're justifiably angry. And then on the other side, you know, Aaron Donald, it, it looks to be marginally offsides on the, um, on the fourth and one. And like, that's one where I don't have as much sympathy, like just block the guy or like double team, the guy and like, find a way like, the inch where his helmet was over the ball is not the reason that he, you know, got the sack in the at the end of the game. I mean, it was because he, I mean, he just kind of dominated and made a play. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, there has to be adjustment from an officiating standpoint to where, A, there's more consistency. So people aren't surprised when things are called or not called. And, B, just it has to be better. There's too many missed calls and too many bad calls uh, for a product that otherwise is really good.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is what the greatest product produced in sports, essentially, right? Like, football yeah. has the highest ratings. Everybody watches football. And I think you know, we could talk about why, but my biggest part of that is, like, these teams play once a week. Like, you might get them twice. They play on a Sunday and a Thursday. You might get them, but, like, you get one opportunity a week to sit and watch your team play football as opposed to basketball. Like you don't let basketball stop because if you miss them on Tuesday, they play again on Thursday. You miss them on Thursday, they play Saturday or Sunday. They might play a back-to-back where you, you, you pick and choose how you value that ba- your basketball games and your everyday life. So I think that's also a part of the reason why football is America's sport. Now I know, you know, it's baseball's make America's favorite pastime. But I think it's football, especially because we produce that product unlike any other, elsewhere i mean other you know they tried it the european league and it just didn't succeed so i definitely agree that this is like the best product put on especially when it comes to sports and especially when it comes to the playoffs because it's one and done and and i, yeah. I think it's that people love is every other time is series. so if you know we have an opportunity we lost game one we get back to them game two where it is game seven every time you step on that field on that saturday or sunday in the nfl playoffs this is your game seven it is lose or go home scenario and i think people love that uh more than even talked about so i want to first uh you know before we get into the off season we're going to talk about our biggest surprises and biggest disappointments so i want to talk about your biggest surprise this year who was your biggest surprise what was your biggest surprise in the nfl season this year
1: um I mean, I feel like the cop out answer is the Bengals, so I'm not going to go there. But I'll go uh, with how well Las Vegas held it together after everything that went on early in the year. Uh, I finished season ten and seven, uh, and again, we, and we're an officiating mistake from potentially advancing to the divisional round of the playoffs. And who knows what happens from there? I mean, just a lot of cr- credit to Rich Pisaccia and Derek Carr for holding that thing together. And yeah, uh, ten and seven, and what's Probably the second hardest division in football with the Chiefs and the Chargers, and you know, your worst team in the division is Denver, and that's not an easy win, especially when you have to go win at altitude. So, I mean, I thought it was really impressive how they held everything together and still found a way to get in the playoffs. You know, had a do or die game at the end of the year against a dynamic quarterback and still found a way to get it done, Uh, get in the playoffs, and you know, had there not been you know, a touchdown on the board that shouldn't have counted for Cincinnati, then they're on the verge of winning a road playoff game in Cincinnati. And even with even if even with it on the board, they had a chance right there at the end. Yeah, they just couldn't get that last they couldn't get that last ten yards.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely, you know, like you said, it is the cop out answer to go Cincinnati. I mean, nobody would have called Cincinnati being in the Super Bowl. Even their super fans would have been like, "Man, making the playoffs would have just been good enough." And losing, you know, losing in the first round would have been like, "We're in a step in the right direction." We know we still need some things. They need an offensive line, but just the play of Joe Burrow was spectacular. Uh, Overhyped a little bit at times, uh, but that—that's what happens. You got to, you know, the newer the better, that's that's just how it goes when a new guy enters the conversation of best quarterback in the league, top five, or whatever, you know, he had the most success outside of Matthew Stafford, he made the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl. For me, my big surprise, and I guess I'll go biased, is that the worst division, well, going into the season, what was considered the worst division in football, put two playoff teams in, uh, in the NFC East, obviously having, you know, my Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles represent the NFC East, but that was widely regarded as the worst division football so to be the worst division and be able to actually put two playoff teams I think it's just a testament and then it's the two playoff teams that it was like if it was Dallas and Washington like everybody thought they were going to you know Washington went to the playoffs last year so Dallas and Washington will battle it out you know to win the division this year you wouldn't have been surprised and Philly kind of was regarded as the worst team in the NFC a lot of people expected to finish in last place even behind the Giants I think with the moves, some of the moves the Giants made, I think people had some type of hope that they'll be a little more competitive uh, than what they were. But for Philly to get in, Jalen Hurts to kind of make a name for himself. Obviously, he improved on last year. Kind of so that he can be a starting quarterback in this league. I think, you know, you need more than one year, you know, to really evaluate Jalen Hurts. Like, good rookie year, but this year he did take that next step. He took what you want to see when you're trying to figure out if he is your future but. The Eagles also have a lot of questions to answer. We'll get into that when we talk about our offseason storyline. So we'll move on to biggest disappointments. Um, I'm going to go first with the biggest disappointment. I'm going to go to Cleveland Browns, uh, period, point blank. Uh, I think it's got to be the Cleveland Browns. A lot of people had them possibly being a sneaky team. Like we're putting scenarios. I know I did it on my show. Where like, if you can't pick the Bucks or the Chiefs, who do you have to go to the Super Bowl? The Rams were were, you know, a second or Packers in the NFC, so we're not surprised that the Rams made it and ultimately won. It but takes the Browns, the Browns were like, to
1: win the Super Bowl, man.
0: Yeah, like the Browns were another team like it was like, okay, you had you had you had the Packers or the Rams. If you weren't going to pick the Bucks and that was understandable, but then like next was like the Bills or the Browns. Like that was where everybody was going. Josh Allen had just played in an AFC Championship game the year prior, but you saw that roster and you're like, You know, I and and I thought, too, that the Browns arguably had the best roster top to bottom, like when healthy, you talk about their secondary, their D-line, lacking a little bit at linebacker. But when you have a, a top 10 offensive line, a top one or two duo at running back with Chubb and Hunt, you know, you had Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. You thought Baker Mayfield would take that next step, capitalize off the season they had the year prior went toe-to-toe with Kansas City after basically obliterating the Pittsburgh Steelers in a playoff game. Like, you thought they were going to build off that because that's typically what happens when you rebuild. You've seen the rough years. You've seen Baker getting better. Still, he was one of those guys becoming overhyped. You still weren't seeing, like, I don't know if he could win the Super Bowl, but at the same time, like, Jimmy G got you to the Super Bowl, got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So that gave you your ration of like, okay, Baker, I think, is better than Jimmy G. Especially going into this season, you felt like Baker would be better than Jimmy G if he takes another leap and they build off of what they did last year. And it just kind of crumbled down. I mean, Odell left, basically asked out. They couldn't find a trade partner, so they end up releasing him. Uh, he doesn't get claimed off of waivers and goes to the Rams. Baker was playing injured. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both got dinged up throughout the season. I mean they have some reasons, but it fell apart well before injuries were playing a huge factor in why the Cleveland Browns were just not a good football team. And it was like it goes back to Cleveland's just gonna Cleveland. Like the Browns will be the Browns. Um so they were definitely a big disappointment. When you look at disappointments, who are your, who was your biggest disappointment this year?
1: Yeah, mine's gonna require some nuance. Um, uh, but I'm gonna go Green Bay. Like I know they won 13, I won, I know they won 13 games, they were the one seed. But despite all of that, lost in the divisional round of the playoffs and what was proclaimed to be Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams' last dance, and I mean, it just, similar to the last 10 years, ended in disappointment. And I just felt like, I mean, you come out of that and Rodgers wins another MVP award and does everything that he did this year and their defense took steps forward and did what they did this year. And all of that, and Rodgers scored 10 points in a home playoff game after off of a bye and got eliminated. I mean, and it just uh, – the way it happened to – with a special team's touchdown and two field goals for San Francisco just was – I mean, it was just really – I mean, if I, I can't imagine as a fan it was gut-wrenching. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's super disappointing, I think, that that's how that – storyline can potentially end and that's how that hall or hall of fame all-time great quarterback goes out in green bay potentially
0: yeah and and like you said it was supposed to be his last dance a lot of things going on in the offseason but then just throughout the season it started feeling more the bucks start getting injured the rams hit like a mid-season slump You know, you still didn't want to buy in fully to the Dallas Cowboys, right? Because, like, the Cowboys are going to be the Cowboys. They're going to do Cowboys things. They're going to crumble at some point. So it just seemed like everything. They have an elite quarterback, an all-time great quarterback. They have an all-time great weapon in Devontae Adams. Like, they were getting healthy at the right time, which is very dangerous for a team as good as Green Bay to be doing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of their playmakers started coming back uh, the last few weeks of the season getting ready for the playoffs to make a deep run. You saw how banged up the Bucks were, so you kind of felt like the only team that could get in Green Bay's way was the Los Angeles Rams, and they didn't even make it there. They they were the team with the first round by, and didn't they didn't get, make get it in their way. Exactly. So you felt like San Francisco, everything leaned towards Green Bay should dominate this game. We know how San Francisco came into that game banged up after beating Dallas. Like they had Boza, but he was hurt. Uh, they had Armstead, but he was he was banged up a little bit. Like, there were so many – Trent Williams was banged up in that game. Like, there were so many aspects where it's like, okay, Green Bay's healthy now. They're at the right time. They're going to take advantage. And ultimately, they, they did not end up doing that. So, I definitely could see because of the hopes that you had. Because I think, like, I think the Cowboys – you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I think they belong in that conversation too. I don't think they're the biggest disappointment of the season. But even still, like – as they started getting going, people started believing, like, man, the talent that they have is starting to come together. They're winning games, even though you look like they're beating all the bad teams and the record isn't that great against the good teams. You Then they get San Francisco, and you're like, it's probably not the matchup they want, but do you really want to say that you prefer playing the Rams or the Packers or the Bucks in the first round over San Francisco? So what San Francisco does really well is what Dallas does really bad, right? But you still just felt like they were more talented team they had the better quarterback. Really, the only advantage that you felt like San Francisco had was they had a better coach. But I won't flat out say Kyle Shanahan just out coached Mike McCarthy. I think it came down to the players. Like it came down to the performance. We could point at certain parts where Mike McCarthy didn't do his job, but that wasn't that game didn't come to out coach. Ceedee Lamb didn't show up. Amari Cooper couldn't get open. Dak Prescott played bad. Uh, our defense held up. You know, essentially as long as they could, but. It was disappointing because you did think, like, this was a year, like, okay, they at least win a playoff game, compete against one of these teams that you really look at as a Super Bowl contender. At best, we get to the NFC Championship. So, like, as the season started progressing, and I think it started to become a reality that that wouldn't happen when they lost to Arizona. To me, that's when, okay, my expectations dropped back to, like, okay, the Cowboys be the Cowboys. We had our chance to put a stamp on a team that was playing, trending downwards while we're trending upwards. Let's beat this good team. And our defense was playing outstanding at that point. And Kyler Murray came into Dallas. We lose at home, right? And then we lose a home playoff game. So, but that for me was where the expectations went down was that Arizona game. I'm like, you know, everybody's like, Y'all should beat Arizona. And I'm like, well, this will be the telling, this will tell how the rest of our season is gonna go. Like, if we can beat Arizona, I think we really have found the mojo, our to play inconsistent. But I'm not just gonna get I'm not gonna kill, I'm not gonna make this a kill the Cowboys uh show. So now we're gonna move on to the fun stuff, right? We gave you season wrap-up, disappointments, surprises. Talked a little bit about the Super Bowl. You've heard enough about that. So now it's time to get into the good stuff, the offseason storyline. So I have a few. I know you have a few. I'll start with one of mine, and it's the quarterback movement to me. And we'll get into that. i ask your thoughts. But to me, one of the biggest is the quarterback movement. Like, does Deshaun Watson's legal situation get figured out and he gets traded? We know the package. Could look like it could be a very big package to have to acquire Deshaun Watson. We're hearing rumors about his preferred destinations. He'd love to play with Justin Jefferson out there in Minnesota. The, he's eyeing the Bucks. Uh People think Philly has a chance. I don't know. Then you talk about Russell Wilson. Like, does Russell Wilson want out? We just saw earlier today where it was like, I think the Bucks, the Raiders, uh, and a couple other teams were on his list of preferred destinations. So you start to talk about that, and you're like, okay, some of these quarterbacks are going to move. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Some of us may not be fully convinced that Tom Brady is retired. Jimmy G is out there available. Carson Wentz could be out there available. And whether we love Carson Wentz, hate Carson Wentz, he's still a quarterback that would be sought after for a team that needs a quarterback. Like, So, you know, the Bucs are looking for a quarterback because Brady's gone as of right now. Uh, interesting, the Minnesota move on from Kirk Cousins. It doesn't seem like the Raiders are going to move on for Carr. So you pull his name out of the list. But there's some teams that we look at could draft a quarterback or could make a big swing and make a difference like the Steelers. If They went for a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. like That changes the whole aspect of the AFC North and the AFC as a whole. I think with that elite defense, you put a good quarterback, try and draft some offensive linemen for the Steelers, and, and now you're talking about a Super Bowl contending team. We know they have a winning coach. So – What do you think about the quarterback movement and a lot of the rumors that we're getting from the quarterback side?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see who's actually available versus who's rumored to be available. And I think we're actually supposed to get some Watson clarity pretty soon, I think, legally. I could be totally misinformed there. But I remember earlier in the season, I think it was sometime in February, he was supposed to have a court date or something like that. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, I'll be interested. I think a big name to watch is Philadelphia. You know, we've already seen – established journalists link Russell Wilson to the Eagles. We've seen Russell Wilson or uh, Deshaun Watson link to the Eagles. Um, I think that's a team to to watch. They've got three first round picks in this year's NFL draft. So if they decide to make a move before the draft, they have plenty of capital um, where they could trade two out of this year's and one out of next year's, make a first round pick in this year's draft, and also still acquire a quarterback. So I think that's a team to pay attention to as far as quarterbacks go. And then, you know, when these quarterbacks request out, they have preferred destinations. And, like, I'll be interested to see who wants to go where. Like, you didn't even mention really the name Aaron Rodgers there. And I think the consensus is that the most likely scenario is that he returns to the Packers. And, like, I would agree with that at this point. But, you know, does he want to go to Denver? Uh, Does he want to go to a different NFC team and try to take advantage of a weaker conference in a different location? Um Russell Wilson, like, does he just decide to stay in Seattle? Does he go and join a loaded AFC and just, you know, try against Mahomes and Herbert and Burrow and everybody else that's over there, Josh Allen? Um, So, I mean, I don't know. And then I think the other thing that's interesting is the list of teams that are buyers in these scenarios. Like, I mean, do the Titans move on from Tannehill? And I'll speak – I don't care what the GM says in February about moving on from a quarterback. Free agency hasn't even started, so – um we're not at a point the league year is not at a point where he's even entertaining those ideas yet so i believe him when he says he's not entertaining those ideas he probably has no idea who's available at this point because he can't make those trades right now so i mean it's just going to be interesting you mentioned pittsburgh i mentioned philadelphia and tennessee uh what does san francisco do like are they bought in enough to trey lance where when they move jimmy g they don't try to take on someone else um so i mean i think there's a lot of interesting storylines but i think uh, from the quarterback movement, the most intriguing thing is who's is actually available versus who's rumored to be available.
0: Yeah, and, and once it comes out where you have some clarity, you know, you can really start. You'll really start now. Teams will bite down and start putting packages together. So, um, when you talk about offseason storylines, though, what is something what, – what's one of the few that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, how does Cincinnati fix their offensive line? Uh, it's not a great offensive line class, but there are some pieces out there where even if you can fix – fit one or two guys in there and then use the draft to shore up some other places. Uh, Cause even marginal upgrades are like, I mean, those are things that they need. Uh, so like the Cincinnati go hard after Toronto Armstead uh, out of New Orleans, New Orleans probably doesn't have the cap or the interest in resigning him. Uh, I think he's early thirties and that just doesn't really fit up with their next timeline. So does Cincinnati find a way to capture him and re you know, protect Burroughs blind side next year. And then, do they go after someone like in my if you were on my timeline today you saw some of this but do they go after someone like ryan jensen uh from the bucks who are also in a place where they may be looking for a quarterback and maybe he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild if it's not someone that is close to the level of what brady was last year like a russell wilson or watson or whoever else uh do they go and replace him and try to you know put someone in the middle of the line that can help those other guys grow so, I mean, I think there's ways that the Bengals can make that offensive line better and gear up for a run back at the Super Bowl or just back at the playoffs in general. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how they attack because, you know, Cincinnati is not really known for spending a whole lot of money in the offseason.
0: Yeah, and, and it even seemed like Zach Taylor, like kind of when he was asked about the offensive line, like, well, they were good enough to get to the Super Bowl, right? So that already puts some, like, that might not be our number one focus, whether because we don't have the money. And I know somebody... um had mentioned that, like, would the Bengals entertain an idea of, like, pick 31 for Tyron Smith? Like, the Cowboys are looking to move on and trade him. Like, is that something that the Bengals look at? Because with them having played in a Super Bowl, like, you're not thinking about five years from now at this point. Like, you're trying to maximize re- getting back there before you have to pay Joe Burrow the big money, before you have to pay Jamar Chase the big money. Like, while you got some of the guys, the core guys, you keep that core together. You're trying to maximize the first five years of a quarterback's contract. You know, before that rookie deal ends. And so, would that be something they consider? I don't know if I would if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Tyron Smith typically doesn't even last the whole season. He does take breaks throughout. So, uh, because he's injured, it's not like he's just sitting because, but he, he, he's injured at some point during the season. He does come back, but he's never the same player when he comes back. So it's like, Do you think that he really helps you and pushes you back, pushes you up a notch to be a team to return, especially when you talk about how deep the AFC is in quarterback? Like next year could just be Josh Allen's year, and there's not much the Cincinnati Bengals could do about it. Next year could be Patrick Mahomes' year to get back to the Super Bowl, and it could be not much that everybody else does does about it. Justin Herbert is expected to probably reach the playoffs by now. Lamar Jackson's coming back off an injury. So there's so much that you have to do that, could you, it could be out of your hands regardless, right? Like, you could improve the roster, but sometimes it's just these guys year and you're looking at Josh Allen like the pressure comes on. You got paid. You you got a, You got haven't reached the Super Bowl yet, and it's okay, but you reach the AFC champion game. Brother, the the petition that quarterback is getting deeper and harder, and we don't know where some of these guys, if they do leave, we don't know where some of these guys will go, which could just add if Aaron Rodgers comes over there, if Deshaun Watson – you know, gets traded to an AFC team. Like now you add now you add him in the mix of him leading a team, right? So you start thinking all that, like okay, maybe a Tyron Smith does put us at what we need. Like we need minute and we need to focus on that offensive line. And we might not be able to get a guy at pick 31 who's gonna have a greater impact next season than Tyron Smith. So that would be something to think about. But for me, another another thing I'm looking in this offseason is what does Philly do, right? You're in a prime position. You made the playoffs. You made the playoffs and you're talking about you have three first round picks. Like, do you move on from Jalen Hurts or do you use those three first round picks acquire talent? Because here's my thing. You won't have a better package than what you could do. Like you said, you could not. and, And that's the thing is They could give all three of their first round picks this year if they were that adamant about getting Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. And then you're right back in the mix. You play with pretty much the roster that you have, however, you know, whatever you could get a free agency or whatever. But then you're back to having your first round picks. You don't really destroy your future as far as draft capital goes. So that's something interesting to see. But if it was me, I stand pat on Jalen Hurts. I take those three first round picks. This is a very talented draft. At certain positions, I get another. I use one of those picks. I get another receiver. I get another corner to put alongside Darius Slay, and I look somewhere else on the defensive side of the ball that I could use help. Maybe get the best defensive player available uh, with that last first round pick. But they have three first round picks. Like you're in a you you have a young team. You got a young receiver. You got a young quarterback. Like, there's a lot you could do and you could improve. There are some guys who will be day one impacts in this draft in the first couple rounds where they will impact their team and do what you need them to do day one. What do you think Philly should do?
1: I mean, I think at a quarterback position, you're always, when you're in a place of strength like that, you have to lean towards acquiring something proven. I mean, when you're in the NFL, a quarterback kind of leads you where you're going to go. And I think if you're planning on winning anywhere in the near future – I'm lower on Jalen Hurts than you are, and I like I know that you kind of need more than a year to evaluate him. But I feel like in order for Philadelphia to reach the playoffs this year, they had to basically alter their entire offense and everything that Nick Sirianni wanted to do in order to gear towards what Jalen Hurts was and wasn't capable of. And I don't feel like that's a sustainable way to win. Um, if you're going to do that, you have to be incredibly dynamic, which is why what the Ravens have done with Lamar Jackson has worked in terms of winning division titles but they haven't i mean they even they haven't been able to get over the hump and actually even get to a super bowl or i mean hell they haven't gotten to an afc championship game but i think if it's me i'm acquiring something proven i think russell wilson makes a lot of sense he fits what sirianni wants to do well their offensive line is old but it's still talented uh you know and then i would try to hold on to one of those first in this year's draft or use cap space to go and try to sign someone like chris godwin like what is godwin doing this off season he could stay in Tampa, but like, I mean, he's lost Brady uh has, there's no clarity. If he resigns with the Bucks, he's resigning with Tampa with no knowledge of who his quarterback is actually going to be. There's a decent chance that it ends up being someone like Kyle Trask. And like, I don't know that that, unless Godwin really just wants to be in Tampa and nowhere else, then I, he's going to, he's going to entertain other people. And I think Philadelphia would make a lot of sense. I mean, do you, so. I think that if you can use the first round draft picks and acquire something proven at quarterback, and use your cap space to continue to bolster up the weapons side of that offense, uh, you could be looking at a really elite offense next year. That even if the defense hasn't fully caught up, then you're looking at a team that can contend at least in the division, and is most certainly the second best team in that division, regardless of what Washington does at quarterback, and could contend for the division title.
0: Yeah, and I, I think like that's the scary thing about Philly is like they're not that far off when you look at the talent like and you look at this free agency class especially if you acquire a quarterback and add one more receiver right you got Devonte Smith uh, obviously Jalen Rager never panned out to be what what he was supposed to be but if you could get a Godwin or even at a lesser you you can get a Michael Gallup like if he's willing to leave. Juju Smith Schuster look like he's gone from Pittsburgh. Like when you get an elite quarterback, you have a Devontae Smith who looks like a strong number one option for the future. You don't need necessarily another elite wide receiver. I mean, I think Goblin would be as good as it gets, right? Like, but if you get Juju or maybe you 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 take on Odell, I doubt it. I don't see him leaving LA, right? But just if if he decides not to leave LA, then or if he decides to leave LA, That would be a possibility. I don't think he really goes to Philly. But if they get Russell Wilson, like, you never know, like, another shot at trying to win a Super Bowl because you do think about it. Like, the NFC is not that tough next year. Like, you have the Rams, obviously. If Rogers stays in Green Bay, you do have Green Bay. And then, what, Dallas and San Francisco would be, like, your next two. And you kind of – you still – like, for me, I got to wait and see what – I don't care if the Cowboys go 15-2 and next year. Like, I got to wait to see what they look like in the first round, second round, whenever they play – uh, in the playoffs before i buy them again they're not gonna get me no more they didn't got me long enough <laughs> but you still would look at them at being a weak nfc so you still would say dallas would have an opportunity and then san francisco so you get russell wilson or deshaun watson you put philly right in that mix they do have the talent elsewhere and could build in this draft where they would be ready to compete and possibly ready to compete and win the division if they get deshaun or russell wilson like at that point they do have the best quarterback in the division, which is always something typically the team with the best quarterback in the division usually wins the division for the most part. I mean, there's some exceptions, uh, but here, there, but usually the team with the best quarterback and, and minimal injuries usually wins the division. So I am kind of, you know, even covering on draft capital NFL, that'll be something we'll really get into is like who, who I would take if I was Philly with having three first round picks. I mean, there's about 10 or 12 prospects you can have your eyes on, just for the simple fact you projecting rise and fall and who could sit there. So they do have a lot of homework to do in the off season. If they do decide to stay on that, uh, if they decide to keep draft picks and keep Jalen hurts, uh, what what's another off season storyline you're looking at?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Cowboys do in terms of a cap casualties. Like we talk, I mean, a lot, there's been a lot of talk about Amari Cooper, a lot of talk about Demarcus Lawrence uh, so cap casualties, and then what do they do with that money? Uh, I also kind of think they need to retool that offensive line. I think that it gets a lot more credit than it probably deserves in terms of being good. I think it's a thing of probably two to three years past. People wonder why the Cowboys' offense took a step back. Well, ironically, they played teams with good pass rushes down the stretch. So, I mean, I think that there's more. I think there's more blame than just the offensive line, but I think that it's something that certainly needs to be retooled. I think they were top three in the NFL in offensive penalties this year. Um, so, I mean, that's, or in top three and offensive pre-snap penalties. So that's strictly, I mean, that's mostly offensive line. Um, we witnessed Connor Williams almost play them out of certain drives in the playoff game. And like, that's things you can't have. So I'll be interested to see how they retool. Do they just take some rookies and kind of plug them or do they use some of that cap space freed by potential older guys on the move and go and try to sign someone a little bit more proven?
0: Yeah, and you know, I'll put my GM cap on and, and tell you some moves I think Dallas should make. Uh, like you said, cap casualties do have a lot to do with that. So we'll move on from the offseason storylines and we're gonna go to free agent fits, right? So we know we talked about Godwin, uh underlying Devontae Adams is out there. Like there's a lot of skill position guys out there. There's some agent guys that still have one to two year two years of impact elsewhere that if they decide to go elsewhere, they could they could very well fit. So when we talk about free agent fits, give me a couple free agents that you're looking at. That's I really think want. Ryan,
1: I really want. Um, I really want Ryan Jensen on the Bengals. <laughs> like I mentioned it earlier, I really want Ryan Jensen on the Bengals. Like if they're gonna get better, I think an underrated part of being a center is not because you know it's not really a whole lot of pass blocking there. You're kind of you're run blocking. You're helping in doubles in the pass game, and then you're kind of also recognizing along with your quarterback, recognizing blitzes and getting your offensive line set. And like this isn't a knock on Trey Hopkins, who was fine to or below average to find. But I mean Ryan Jensen's a top three center in the sport. And I think that's the type of guy where, you know, if you cut Hopkins, someone was doing the math with me earlier, if you cut Hopkins and then you add like six million dollars, like that's enough to sign Ryan Jensen. So you're only out of pocketing six six million dollars more than what you were paying before. Uh, And that's something that matters to the Bengals is how much money they're spending on upgrading this roster. So I think that's something that he's the type of guy where he comes in and elevates everyone around him. Uh, And I think that that's a fit that makes a lot of sense because if you're not going to have a ton of talent up front, then at least have one or two guys that can somewhat elevate bad talent to maybe be mid-level talent. Because that honestly, like, that's the difference between them winning the Super Bowl and not winning the Super Bowl this year or last year, however you want to phrase it, four days ago.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that really is though. But like a free agent, I'm looking. I'm looking at these wide receivers. Like yeah. obviously, Odell tearing ACL kind of changes some things, and he might not leave LA. So we'll even take Odell out. But you got as of right now, you got Devontae Adams, you got Juju Smith Schuster, you got uh, Chris Godwin, you got Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson. But that's not to me necessarily a, a big big name, right? But Allen Robinson. You got, yeah, you got Allen Robinson. Who already played under the franchise tag? I think he's gonna look to go elsewhere. He just, but but his kind of performance, kind of, I think his value went down as well, just because he didn't. He even seemed like he was bought into football this year, to be honest. So I'm looking at wide receivers, but look at Devontae Adams. So I think if if Aaron Rodgers stays, I do think Devonte Adams stays. But I think there's a world where even if Rodgers stays, I can see Devontae Adams going elsewhere, right? Because like. Who knows what Roger stays for? Like, is he staying for a four or five year deal? Is it a two-year deal with a way out in the second year? Like, you don't really know. And, and with so much, you know, there was there was so much going on in the offseason. Like maybe that pushed Devontae Adams away. He is a wide receiver. You know, he could elevate other quarterbacks. I want to see Devontae Adams. If I if I could place him somewhere, I'd place him with the Raiders. I think Derek R with a guy like Devontae Adams, having Darren Waller. Obviously, they they lost Henry Ruggs, but now you have a a weaponry for for, uh, Derek Carr, and you have Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Devontae Adams. I think Derek Carr, like I think they are an elite wide receiver away from, really, they could have flipped the script and and beat the Bengals had they had a Devontae Adams. Like, there's been some inconsistencies. They lost Henry Ruggs, which kind of took their depth at wide receiver away. Darren Waller was injured throughout the season, but I think Devontae Adams fits in – in Vegas playing alongside uh, Derek Carr, especially because Devontae Adams take the top off of defense, but he also could pick you apart up and down the field the same way we saw Cooper Cup did. Like, it's not all about, it's not like a Tyreek Hill. Where I would question whether Carr has the arm to get Devontae Adams, the ball down the field. Like he could just pick you apart seven, eight, 10, 12 yards at a time, all the way down the field and cap off a drive with a touchdown. So I'd like to see Devontae Adams with Vegas
1: yeah i think another interesting one is and i don't really have a fit here but what does tyron matthew do this offseason uh he's an unrestricted free agent kansas city's kind of in a place where they're really cap strapped does he take a does he take a short term for lack of a better word cheap deal to remain to remain in kansas city or does he go and kind of get his last bag he's kind of proven he's still a really good player uh, with everything he's done in kansas city uh does he go get a bag somewhere else and try to wintering somewhere else and then another one that i think and this one i am at a fit in kansas city uh you know what is stefan gilmore get on the open market um he kind of he ended up getting traded to carolina and that was kind of the last we heard of it and to be quite honest i have no idea how he played this year but if he even remotely bounced back is that not the i mean that's the type of deal where kansas city restructures some people and finds a way to get them they've kind of gone value hunting at corner and it keep and it continues to kill them over and over again So I think it's time they actually sink some assets into that cornerback room. And Stephon Gilmore would make some sense. Um, He's on the older side, but I'm not sure that really matters if he's still any good. Kansas City's trying to win right now. They're trying to win immediately. So his age is not as much of a factor. Uh, I think that's an interesting one. I think he fits really well in Kansas City, especially with as much as uh, Spags wants to bring pressure and play uh, play man-to-man on the outside, which is kind of Gilmore's thing.
0: Yeah, and a, another one I'm looking at, going back to wide receiver, is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, he said that there's there's been reports. Like he hasn't flat-out said it to where I've heard it, but uh, there have been reports that people close to him have said like he'd be interested in playing in Dallas. I would take Juju in Dallas, I think especially we'll, we'll get into it next on why, and I'll revert back to why I would take Juju in Dallas, but I think he'd be a good fit. Uh, I think he'd be able to re- revitalize his career uh, in Dallas. I think he'd love to play alongside you know, for, for Dak Prescott throwing on the ball. He played for Ben Roethlisberger in the last couple of years, and we know we just watched him deteriorate, and it wasn't even slowly, right? So, And then that was a loaded wide receiver room. This could not be – the Cowboys wide receiver room could not be as loaded as it was last year for the simple fact. Uh, a couple of receivers could be casualties, and, and they kind of put CeeDee Lamb and that solidified wide receiver one, and so now you're talking about who are you going to surround them with. You have Zeke and Pollard in the backfield. You got Juju. If you could add Juju uh, uh, to CeeDee Lamb, and even if you could keep a Cedric Wilson, uh, I, I think that would be something interesting. I think Juju being healthy would be a good help. I also could see Kansas City going after him, though. Like you said, for everything you said about Stephon Gilmore, like we know they were linked to each other last year, and he ultimately decided to stay with the Steelers. But I think he could revisit that situation and be like, you know what, I, I could be the difference. Him, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill catching passes from – Patrick Mahomes we see how deadly that was all the way leading up to another fourth straight AFC championship appearance but I do think Juju could take that offense over the top to the point where they were winning games scoring a lot of points they weren't relying on their defense anyway but you add another weapon you upgrade weapons I think Juju would be an upgrade over McCole Hardman just because Juju to me is a better route runner he doesn't just rely on speed to get open and score touchdowns so I think if Juju went to Dallas you, said what? It, gives
1: you a it gives you a different aspect to the Chiefs offense as opposed to just speed, speed, and more speed.
0: Yeah, like speed, 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 and then Travis Kelsey find an open spot in the defense yeah. and, and turn around and be ready to catch the ball. But And so, like, you do have, like, kind of, you know, prior to injury, like an elite route runner, he knew how to get open. Like, this is a guy who did ball out for the Steelers uh, two years ago. Like, we can't forget that. Like, he did. He was voted by the team as the, you know, the offensive player of the team playing alongside Antonio Brown. And it seems like that's the reason why AB. But then I'm also looking at does AB get another opportunity? And if so, where would he go? I don't want to get into will he get another opportunity? But if AB was to get another opportunity, like where would he go? Who would want him and where would he fit? Because like, I think the only team that will give him an opportunity is Baltimore. I think if Lamar says he wants, you know, Antonio Brown, I think and the NFL will allow him to come back into the league, then I think you have to go get him. I think you you know him. They work out together in the offseason. They have that. And you just got to take it with, hey, we're signing Antonio Brown, but the minute he acts up, he gets cut, right? The minute he seems like he's bringing a negative impact to this team or to our quarterback, he's gone. And I think you could take a chance on, on Antonio Brown. But I think, like, if A.B. was to go anywhere, I think Baltimore is the only team that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I just – I think he's – Ozzie Newsom has built that front office – uh, and I know he's not there anymore, but I mean, as the, the way that he built that organization, I just kind of find it hard to believe that they kind of bring in a guy that could disrupt that culture like Antonio Brown potentially would. Um, kind of another spot I'm looking, and this is, uh, this again, kind of goes into the next segment, kind of looking at the tight end market. There's a lot of interesting names, I guess, like bounce back candidate type guys. Like, like what does a guy like OJ Howard get on the, on the market? What does a guy like Zach Ertz get on the market? um you know evan ingram david and tyler croft uh cj uh, uzama from the bengals is on the market uh and i just kind of look for the titans to be really active in that market because i mean they a big aspect of their offense when it was really good for uh, two years ago and the year prior was the fact that johnny smith and delaney walker both could play off each other and they could have tight ends and um and it was just a huge part of that offense so I kind of look to see if they don't take a chance on one of these free agent guys and then build on it in the draft but like um OJ Howard is one that really interests me and I think he is built in a similar mold I don't think he has like that raw speed that Johnny has but um he's built in a similar mold where he's really versatile as a tight end and I'd be interested to see what he would look like in Tennessee because I think like that's a chance that's another reclamation project where Tennessee's done, had a few of those. They have hit some of them, they busted some of them. Looking at you, Vic Beasley. Um, and I think OJ Howard would make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. So we'll move on. We talk about free agents. We can talk about free agents all day. We'll cover them throughout the week, coming weeks, especially leading up to free agency. So we're finally going to put our DM hats on. We've been itching. We've been like, you know, mention Dallas. We've been mentioning Tennessee. So yeah, we've been easing on into the fact like we are going to talk about our teams. We have to. You can't get both of us together and not talk Cowboys or Titans. So I'll put my GM cap on first for the Dallas Cowboys, and I'll talk about some moves that can be made, need to be made, and should be made. I'm looking at three players. I'm looking at Amari Cooper. I'm looking at DeMarcus Lawrence, and I'm looking at Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think they have to be cap casualties to the point. I think they have value on the trade market. I think you can get a late first for Amari Cooper. I really think if you put Amari Cooper – out there on the trade market like i think kansas city would look at him i think if aaron Rodgers stays you know green bay has kind of said that they're going to be active they're going to be willing to spend they're going to be what so if aaron Rodgers does stay you have a devontae adams i think you would easily give up your first round pick for an amari cooper especially if if aaron Rodgers was a guy to pitch for a hey, get amari at all, all costs i think he's the one guy can get you late for round because there are a couple teams the buffalo bills the kansas city chiefs And the Green Bay Packers, I think they could really use that second wide receiver. Cole Beasley has done really well, but I think if you can keep him in the slot, Gabriel Davis did make a name for himself, so that maybe changes the outlook on how aggressive the Buffalo Bills would be to trade for a guy like Amari Cooper. But I think even in this talented wide receiver class, like you get a veteran, a guy who knows what he's doing, and you know, like when he plays, maybe he just needs a change of scenery. He is a little bit of a crybaby, but it's a lot different when you have a chance of winning big games, right? You you kind of put some of the other stuff to the side, and I think you would kind of up, you would, you know, kind of you would upgrade at quarterback. Like you'd love to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen in in teams who air raid offense as opposed to. Kind of 50-50, run the ball and pass the ball like Dallas does, and Dak does a good job at distributing the ball. But you also seen like he leaned on Speedy Lamb a lot, that could have frustrated Amari Cooper. I think you'll, you're willing to take less, you know, less catches um, and, and less balls thrown at you when you're catching passes from a Patrick Mahomes who still can get you some big numbers, some touchdowns, and you're winning games and have a shot at the Super Bowl. So I think you have to look at trading Amari Cooper. I think Demarcus Lawrence has value at the. At the in the trade market as well. I think you got to look at draft picks though. I don't think you're getting like the NFL doesn't really do players for players. Essentially. You don't see the blockbuster Philly, Brooklyn nets type trade in the NFL. It's players for draft picks. Essentially. Only time you see like players for players is when you add draft picks and players for a quarterback. That's pretty much the only time where there's these big crazy blockbuster deals, name swaps or whatever. Outside of that, it's probably like a bench player and a draft pick for a guy like Marcus Lawrence. I think he can warrant you a second or late second, early third. Uh, I don't know if there would be a team to give up a first, but I think could give a second at worst a third-round pick. I think you have to trade Ezekiel Elliott, and it's crazy because people love analytics in today's game, right? And so analytically, Tony Pollard has actually been a top seven running back. In all statistical categories, Tony Pollard has been top seven. Yards yards per attempt, uh, yards after contact, That like every statistical measure he has been top seven except for carries he was 37th in carries which therefore means like his stats is not going to tell you the top seven running back off of production when he touches the ball he has been a top seven running back the analytics people will tell you they will back that up because he was top seven in every major statistical category that matters analytics world so i think when you look at that you'd be like okay if we get more touches we get better production from tony pollard than we do ezekiel elliott and I think you can get a third round pick for Ezekiel Elliott. If anybody has to be cut or has the least amount of trade value on the trade market, I do think it is in Ezekiel Elliott. And you might just have to cut him, take whatever cap hit it is. If you cut him before this or whatever, and it might just have to be a loss. And I love Zeke, obviously a former Ohio State Buckeye, but you gotta do what you gotta do when you're trying to win. And sometimes like he's just not producing to up to the standard of what we're paying him. So if you do have to cut him, but I think you can get a third round for Ezekiel Elliott. I think you got to evaluate whether you're going to sign Michael Gallup or not. I think he might actually play for the Cowboys one more year on a one-year deal, coming off of ACL injury. I think even though most guys pretty much recover, especially at the age he is, we're in a, we're in a world sign at this point that uh, you know you recover ACL is like you know sprained ankle essentially, like you're out for a time, but you come back fine. Uh, the even people we're starting to catch back up where guys are bouncing back from Achilles injuries and back better than ever. Uh, So I think we're at that point of science where people aren't too, too concerned. I think Michael Gallup, he said he wants to stay in Dallas. I think that does need to be a priority for Dallas, especially if you're really looking at cutting or trading Amari Cooper. But as a GM for the Dallas Cowboys, what you have to be, you have to be careful when speaking to all these media outlets. We have podcasts and everything like that now where they're where, where we're quotes from all the time. You can never hint towards the fact that you'll be okay with cutting Demarcus Lawrence, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, because then their trade value will go down. And so it's been said that they might be a casualty, right? But it's not about Dallas cutting. I think they're going to explore their value on the trade market. But the minute that you hint towards, like, if it comes down to it, we'll cut them people are going to undercut you on a draft pick. Now you're selling yourself short and then you end up cutting him because they're not offering anything but fourth or fifth round picks because like it's inevitable. You've already said it. You're going to cut them anyway. So I think Jerry Jones over these next few weeks needs to be very quiet and very uncover some moves only because like you might hurt yourself in the value that you get in return for some guys that have value for other teams around the league. Like they're, one wide receiver away from going to the Super Bowl. They're, they're a second defensive end away from wreaking havoc, you know, on another quarterback on the way to the Super Bowl. So I think that's something that you do have to be careful is you can't hint towards the fact you're willing to cut these players and cut your losses and and get some cap space and open up for free agency because you end up hurting yourself on the value. So now I'm going to ter- turn it to you. And I'm going to let you put your GM hat on for the Tennessee Titans before we close out and tell me you're the GM What are some offseason moves you're making? What are you looking at? Who are you looking at getting rid of, retaining? What are you doing for the Tennessee Titans?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a weird one because the Titans don't have a ton of cap space. You're going to have to, you know, restructure deals. You're going to have to cut people. You're going to have to re-sign people. Um, Priority one is finding a way to re-sign Harold Landry. Um, Analytics would kind of tell you that he's maybe not as productive of a pass rusher as his numbers would indicate. But he fits so well in the system and he's produced in that system. I think you have to pay him. Uh, So I think you keep Harold Landry and keep that front four intact. Uh, I think a casualty of everything is going to be Julio Jones. Uh, I think it's going to go down as a failed trade and they are going to end up cutting him because they can free a lot of cap space. Uh, And I'm doing all this under the assumption that the quarterback that takes the first snap next year is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I, I, I think that, I am moving of assets of that caliber for a quarterback is not really Tennessee speed, uh, despite it being, what's probably the right thing to do. They're probably, that's probably not the angle that they're going to go. Uh, so I think, and then I think another thing that I'm looking at is addressing. So if you get rid of Julio, you're addressing the wide receiver room. Uh, I think that the first round pick is a receiver. Uh, I think that they're going to go that route in the draft. Uh, but still, from a receiver standpoint, you need more than two guys. And I kind of was looking at Will Fuller. Um, he was he's in and out of in in and out of lineups with injuries. He had PED issues last year. But the Titans really need some speed on that receiving core. They need someone who can really win deep. Uh, the best year they had offensively, even though it was a guy named Khalif Raymond, was a guy. Was a time where they could throw some speed outside and really actually stretch the field and take some deep shots. And that's an angle that they kind of lost this year um, because they didn't have anybody who could really do it. I mean, AJ Brown can do it, but you're not going to generate a lot of separation. You're basically asking him to make contested catches, and he can do it, but that's not really what you would like him to do when you can get someone that can win deep. Uh, another name I'm kind of looking to because they need to address the slot is I'm kind of looking at someone like Jamison Crowder because he can win in the slot consistently. New York probably doesn't need to bring him back with Elijah Bohr's presence there. Uh, they put a second round pick into him. So they're probably not just overly inclined to keep Crowder uh, in New York and he can return punts. He can, he wins in the slot. He's decent. I mean, because we're kind of bargain hunting here with limited cap space. Uh, and then the other thing they have to address is the offensive line. Um, they've got to find a way to get better in pass protection, just uh, almost similarly to Cincinnati, they had they weren't as bad, but they were really bad in pass protection. Um, so you're going to have to go in and resign Ben Jones at center, and then you're going to have to try to find some value on the on the offensive line market. And you're kind of looking at guys like I mean Pittsburgh will bring back Trey Turner. Um, like you're not replacing Taylor Lewan unless there's a surprise cut there. Uh, like an Andrew Norwell out of Jacksonville, Brandon Scherf out of Washington. I mean, you're just looking—you're looking for a lot of value in offensive linemen to improve your pass protection. Uh, and I think that that's those are the angles that the Titans take. And then, I um, yeah, I mean, I think I hit everything there that I had in mind. That's pretty—I think that's the angles the Titans take. It's almost all offense. I think there's room for one more corner, but I think corners are such a premium position now that you're not really going to be able to sign. The level of corner that you probably want in free agency, uh, and then I mentioned O.J. Howard previously um, as just kind of someone who I saw fit. I do expect him to sign at least one free agent tight end, if not two, uh, and then draft another one. Like I think that they're going to reset the entire room. So I think um, all of those things combined probably make up the off season. And if they were to value hunt with like a Charvarius Ward or um, someone like that this off season, or even taking shots on guys like Sidney Jones. Um, Yeah. Guys like that. Um, And Eli Apple. I don't want to say that name right now, but you're you're looking for, you're looking for value essentially. And like when you're looking for value, that typically means you're not looking for the most talented players. So, they're looking. I think they could stand to add one more corner, but most of the focus is on offense. And I named pretty much every single offensive position, not named quarterback, because when your quarterback's Ryan Tannehill, you have to make everything as good as possible and hope that you can win. I hate to use the words in spite, but like you need to hope that being average is is okay enough because everybody else is so good. And the offensive line wasn't there, the receiver room wasn't there, and the tight end room definitely wasn't there. So uh i kind of the tight end room i think being the most important i think that'll, that that reset will be the most important and if they have any significant money to spend they will either go at wide receiver or tight end yeah but don't be yeah. surprised if taylor Lewan is like a surprise cap casualty like i don't really think that that's going to happen but there's been whispers about it so i don't don't be surprised if for some reason that comes up because he's owed a lot of money Uh, the Titans can save a lot of money by getting rid of him and Julio Jones and can create a lot of cap or create a substantial amount of cap space. So if they decide to go out and be players in the free agent market in a larger way, then I think that that is one path that they could take. Uh, But you're opening up a can of worms when you cut your left tackle. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that could go wrong there. So I don't know if they're looking for that hardcore of a reset, Uh, But John Robinson and Mike Vrabel both said that there's going to be substantial changes on the offensive side of the ball next year. So I don't think anybody is off limits.
0: Yeah, and it does become one of those. Like, you know, uh, when you're trying to improve your team, you're the number one seed in the AFC. The season really didn't go as planned. Obviously, battling a lot of injuries, but sometimes you do have to cut your losses and it might hurt, you know, especially in the immediate future, but it could pay off as the season progresses next year. So that's always something you pay attention to. So before we close out, I'm going I'm to give you the floor. Let everybody know where they can follow you in any future projects you've got going on.
1: Yeah. So, Chris Bolton and I are doing one shining pod with college basketball at Off the Ball Network. And just check out offtheballnetwork.com. All your sports needs taken care of there. I'm kind of all over the place. You'll see me hopping on and talking to NFL. I'll hop on some NBA shows. I do the college basketball thing on my own. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Bailey 8 I'm always doing something. You can find me potentially in NBA Twitter spaces later tonight. <laughs> um, God knows where, um, but yeah, so just that's pretty much
0: everywhere, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you for coming on, bro. As always, uh, you know, y'all can follow me, uh, up in flames. way anyway, you get your podcast, appreciate you for if you're listening live. Obviously, if you're listening on podcast platform, I appreciate that as well. Uh, yeah, you might catch me and Walker. I'm just a listener, I'm just an avid listener in these Twitter spaces, Nick's Twitter spaces specifically yeah uh, (laughs)
1: we prefer New York Twitter spaces
0: yeah we've been we've been preferred as uh, you know New York Knicks uh, undercover fans or however you want to look at it. but just their spaces are the most entertaining right they have the funny hands the quick overreactions it's been very depressing in there lately and you know for my enjoyment it's like you know I compared it I said going into a Knicks Twitter space as of late is like going to a third world country like I've been to third world countries and it just makes me appreciate my life you know, back at home better. So, it's like I go into the Knicks Twitter space, I hear how depressed they are, and I'm like, man, it's great being a Miami Heat fan. Like, even in our down years, I never felt this down about my team. So, I'm grateful to not be a Knicks fan, especially at this point. Never, sure once,
1: never once was Lance Stevenson an the answer to all my problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> never. I've never heard that. But, that, about, you know what, we'll probably do a show about that here coming up. But I appreciate the, uh... everybody. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. On that note, Up In Flames is out.